Welcome to the ACC Podcast. We're honored that you took some time out of your day to listen to one of our weekly messages. We hope that these messages bring you closer to Jesus, strengthen your faith, and deepen your understanding about the Bible. If you're thinking of attending ACC, we're currently holding one service at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can visit our website for more information. That's anacorteschristian.church. That's A-N-A-C-O-R-T-E-S Christian.church. You can also visit our website if you have any questions about ACC, like our core beliefs, where we are located, or if you'd like to get in contact with us. We would love to hear from you. So, whether you're sitting, driving, or exercising, thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into the Bible together. Hey everyone, this is Mike from ACC, and this is Brian, our youth minister from ACC. And we're here, we're going to try something new right now, uh, because on Sunday morning, we had an interesting ordeal where usually we have our sermons broadcast on the internet and recorded and posted to our podcast channel, but we had an interesting Sunday where everything just kind of didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, and so what we wanted to do, we wanted to recapture the message for those who want to catch up on Joshua chapter four, but we wanted to do it in a different format, maybe take a more conversational tone. So this is kind of an experiment. Anyway, um, what happened, we were, Brian preached a very good message on Sunday. I found myself um, able to track, you know, with the whole thing. And so I thought, man, it's a good, I don't want to lose that. We want to make sure it gets recorded. Brian started off, you, you were talking about um, interruptions and and how, you know, we tell our kids like, like, don't interrupt unless it's an emergency, unless it's really important. And right then we all get it. We all got interrupted. We had <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like everything just shut off um, and we lost the lights, we lost our live stream, we lost the the microphone, everything. And so that's why we're doing this. Um, and so as far as the story goes, though, in Joshua chapter four, um, we're talking about an interruption in the story. And, and so what is that interruption? And what do you think the author is up to here? And you, you kind of mentioned on Sunday, like, is he just a bad storyteller? Yeah. Or is this one of those interruptions that's like, this is an emergency. This is important. This, yeah. is, this is really intentional why you're here. So I'll let you kind of take it. From yeah, there. for sure. Uh, <laughs> just in looking at the story, and you had preached the, the Sunday before on, on Joshua 3, and looking at 3 and 4 both connected, you know, and it's this idea that... The story flows so smoothly in chapter three, you know, it, and it's told in a way that it builds suspense until the very last verse. Mm. And then we kind of get some conclusion. And we're thinking in chapter four that the author is going to wrap it up. And instead of continuing that that line of, of suspense, it's like he interrupts the whole thing, mm-hmm. almost derails everything he set up, sabotages the story for this 10 verse dialogue on rocks. And, and as the reader, we kind of lose everything that, that was set up. And we're like, why? You know, what, what in the world's going on here? And, and I think any time that we see the Bible do this, it's kind of yeah. a, a big like exclamation point that we need to stop mm. and pay attention. It's like the, the interruption forms a sandwich where it's the meat of the, of the sandwich. You know, it's the most important thing. It's, it's the thing that we really need to pay attention to. And so, and it's a, it's a dialogue about 
rocks. Yeah, yeah, which okay. is really kind of crazy. Yeah. All right. Should we go ahead and read, just read that passage, those 10 yeah. verses then? Yeah, I can read it. All right, go for <clears> it. And it kind of repeats itself at times, and it's you're going to see a lot of phrases and things repeated, which, again, kind of takes away from that suspense element and all that. But I think those that repetition is important. And yeah, so repetition. I'll try to maybe point some of that out when I read it. It mm-hmm. says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. And that, that word Jordan there literally means down from judgment. It's like the river of judgment. So down from judgment, I think we want to tuck that away. Right? Yeah, yeah. We remember that. Yeah. Okay. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. And we're going to hear that over and over again. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, uh, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did it as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. You did mention there's like a little bit of a, like a controversy or, or disagreement about um, some interpretation of like, were there two altars of stones built or just one? I guess it's not totally relevant to this uh, yeah, message, but it is, you know, depending on the translation you get, you're going to, you know, the ESV will translate it. They actually put another set of stones into the middle of the Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, other translations say that depending on the, how you take the language, that it's just the one set of stones. Yeah, the reality is it, it doesn't really change the picture that's being painted here. Yeah. I kind of go along with the first one as far the first idea that there's two sets of stones, just because I think it really goes along really well with the picture again that's being painted of one set of stones being buried yeah and yeah. And, and no longer visible and the other set being set up which we'll get to okay in a minute, so yeah but this is the interruption it's about rocks yeah so it's important <laughs> you know don't interrupt unless it's important yeah it's an what what's so important what what's so important what's it saying uh, yeah, the it's it's a one word summary it's so easy in fact i i was talking to my wife reading this and and she made the comment this could have all been said in a sentence you know it's <laughs> like you don't need to say 10 verses to say what's going on here but the old, the overarching theme is just this idea of remember remember you need to remember this mm-hmm. and so i think that is that is the that's the theological message here. That's the message they, Israel needed to hear. It's the message that we need to hear it is this idea that, you know, we talked about two enemies of faith, or we, we, we mentioned that in the ser- I mentioned that in the sermon, that we've already talked about one, which is fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one everyone thinks about is, is fear. Fear is like the enemy of faith. And, and that gets a lot of, of 
airtime and, yeah. and a lot of our attention. And, and so for those who might be a little um, not remembering, you know, all that, be strong and courageous, be yeah. strong and courageous, because like if fear is like an enemy of, yeah. of, of belief, of faith, right? Yeah, and exactly. Then, and we'll put our trust in something else if we are fearful. Yeah. But now there's another enemy of the faith. Yeah, and I think it's even a greater enemy, and it's, yeah. it's forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. And it's the one that we tend mm. to forget, you know, we don't think about yeah. it. It's, yeah. And so here, it's this idea of it's not enough just to cross over the Jordan. You yeah. Know? You have to remember it, mm-hmm. is, is essentially what God is telling the people. And so he lays out the reasons why they need to remember this. Yeah. So, yeah. That really resonates with me. And I felt like, man, I could have dwelled on this uh, a lot because I, I feel like so oftentimes we go through these experiences in life where there's like like a summer camp high or, or those yeah. moments where God really breaks through to us and we feel like this this life-changing moment and we think to ourselves, I'm, I'm never going to be the same after this. I'm never going to... Yeah. I'll always remember this. This is changing me forever. And lo and behold... Um, you know, a couple of years later, or, or you like, man, after I've seen God work this miracle, I'll never doubt his existence. I'll never struggle with faith. And then you find yourself like confronted with, you know, culture or doubts and, and you're going like, um, you're experiencing struggle. You know, you go yeah. through uh, struggle with mm. doubt or with whatever it is. And lo and behold, we forget, like we forget like those, those milestone moments, um, Maybe we doubt their legitimacy or they're so, you know, vague in our background that they don't have the impact that we thought they would, yeah. right? And so, yeah. so we need to remember. <laughs> yeah, and, and thinking about yeah. that, it's like this this moment is, it's, a, it's the defining moment yeah. for Israel. You've made the comment, it was the first time they're referred to technically as a nation. I mean, this is what is going to define their existence from this point on, mm-hmm. and and in that, we, we one of the reasons I think that there's so much repetition in the, in the first 10 verses is this idea that it's painting a picture of this is complete obedience, hmm. that that everything that, that God is telling Joshua, that God had told Moses to tell Joshua, that Joshua is now relaying to the people, there is absolute obedience that's being done here. This is as good as it's going to get for Israel. When they fully trust God, mm-hmm. this is how he fulfills and what he does for them. Hmm. And, and I just, it kind of made me think about kind of a story in my own life that I, that I shared as far as going through a, a health struggle where essentially I ruptured disc in my back and I had to be like bedridden almost for like two months. Hmm. Uh, and this was, a, this was a while back, this is about, you know, 17 years ago, my first son was born. And, and I just remembered during that time, that was like a defining moment hmm. for me. I'd kind of, st- I'd, I'd strayed away from God quite a bit. I had uh, I was really kind of living for myself, living for my own goals, and and in that struggle, in that complete uh, just being knocked on my back, uh, it's where God really kind of showed me how fragile my strength was and how desperately I needed Him. Hmm. And I still look back at that. I wrote a journal in a journal and documented like every single day, and there was just this closeness that I experienced with God. There was things that he revealed to me that were just so crazy and practical in the ways that he started fulfilling those things that, you know, it was like a constant connection because it was like the first time I'd ever realized like what it meant to actually live 
needing his strength to just get through each day. Hmm. And so there, there was this constant connection. There was this constant listening for his voice, a constant obedience, kind of like what I saw in Israel's story. Hmm. And um, yeah, it was, it was just the, the, the closest that I ever felt to God. And, and after a couple months, I started healing. My back started getting better. I started getting more functional. And it was crazy just how quickly... Once I started gaining strength back, how quickly I forgot hmm. how I needed God, how desperately I needed Him. And so yeah. even though that moment was a defining moment for me, and I can still look back on that and read about it, I do miss the closeness that I experienced with Him in that time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I see it in, the same thing is kind of going to play out with Israel as well. Yeah. So, so speaking of, of Israel then, uh, there's we need to remember, but what exactly are they being called to remember? Like what what's so important to remember here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's three things here that are like essential. And yeah. the first one is what God did for them. God mm-hmm. is the very first thing God said, calls them to do is is know what these stones mean. And it, it's all about what God did for them. Um, the second thing would be uh, what, you know, why, or I guess who God called them to be, mm-hmm. uh, what defines them, who are they? Mm. Uh, and then the last thing is why God called them in the first place. And, yeah. and so each of these three things is really spelled out, especially in the concluding verses yeah. of the text. So The Lion King just came to mind. <laughs> Simba, remember who you are. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so then uh, you were going to break down a little bit um, from Joshua chapter 4, verse 20 and following, we see each of those themes, what God did for them, who God called them to be, and why God called them yeah. um, in this passage. And so so here's why, remember. So I'll go ahead and read that if you okay. want. We'll take yeah. turns here a little That'll bit. Work. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So that's like what God did for them. Mm -hmm. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you would cross over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this. Okay, here's uh, maybe the second one. Who God called them to be? Is that... Are we getting there? Probably so, yeah. Okay. Okay. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Okay, maybe not not quite, but close. Now, Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings all along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Yeah, and so you're talking about the, what defines them or who they are is kind of in those 12 stones, which we're going to get to in a little bit. And so hmm. that last part was the why, you know, why he called them. And so, yeah, and we'll touch on each of those, I believe. Okay, so, so we'll break them down a little yeah. bit. So what what had gone, what had God done for the people? Well, yeah, and, and so you have this phrase that's repeated twice. It's, you know, in the passage, it's what do these stones mean? And in both situations, uh, it's the idea that God is reminding them that I'm the one. In fact, the, the Ark of the, the Covenant, it, it's essentially equated with, with God. In fact, it's referred to as the Lord himself. And like so When they pass by it, it says they pass by the Lord, the Lord yeah, right? Yeah. Not just and the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And so God 
essentially enters the water first. Mm-hmm. He's the first one in. He goes in, and it says, it keeps repeating this phrase, in the midst of the Jordan River. And that, that word midst there is like in the heart of it. And so anytime mm-hmm. you hear that phrase in this passage, it's always a reference to the location of the ark. Mm-hmm. It's like God is in the midst. He's in the heart of the Jordan. And what he's reminding his people of is, I'm the one who went in first. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who went into the heart of the Jordan so that you could pass through yeah. and follow me through. And I'm the one that made that happen and so ju- that you could go on dry ground. Yeah. And just to pick up on like <clears throat> last week, we talked about waters as a, as a picture of chaos. And often like with the flood, it's, it's how God cleanses and judges the earth. And yeah. so the Jordan, meaning down from judgment, it's a powerful picture that kind of points to Jesus, right? I mean, spoiler alert, but yeah. but God goes into the heart of down from judgment. Yeah. Like he goes into the heart of judgment, uh, you know, the cleansing waters, the flood. Yeah. To make a way for his people to pass through. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. Is, exactly. It's powerful. I mean, it's, it's a powerful picture. And it's essentially like it's yeah. a baptism. Yeah. It is. The, we had kind of this conversation, our staff meeting yesterday, the idea that all of the things that uh, Israel had accumulated both in, in Egypt mm-hmm. and then out and then the shame of, of not being obedient to God in the first place and, and how, in a way, I think they drifted from God to a degree in the fact they weren't celebrating some of the things that like circumcision and, and Passover that they were supposed to be celebrating, I think. Mm-hmm. And so there's all this kind of shame and guilt and history, and God is is basically telling them that all of that has been buried hmm. at the bottom of, of the River of Judgment. Yeah. Uh, I've made a way that, that that stuff is buried, and we're kind of getting, I think, into the second thing, who they are, but yeah. I'm the one who buried that and brought you through to the other side, and now you are brand new. Wow. Yeah. So that's what God did yeah. that we want to remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than just like, hey, I performed a miracle. Exactly. And yeah. Don't this, forget about this it. This is you the know? defining moment but for them. Yeah. yeah. And that does go right into who he had called them to be. Like, because mm-hmm. in the one sense, like all that old stuff, your your struggling, your failures is is now buried. It's cleansed. Yeah. And you are now a new people. You're established. You're you're planted as a a nation. Yeah, and exactly, which is where we get into the rocks, right? right. I mean, what's, yeah. the, what's the big deal about these rocks? Why in the world would you take such a huge detour and stop what you're doing to take all the time to go get these huge mm-hmm. stones mm-hmm. and then set them up? And, and the picture I think that's being painted here is this idea that each tribe, person from each type, tribe is grabbing a, a, a big stone they are bringing them out to the other side, and and they set them up. And it's, that word "set up" literally means to cause to stand. They are they are building a memorial altar, and altars in this day were were like mountains. Mm-hmm. Mountains were the place where heaven and earth met. Mountains were the place where God dwelt with people. And so, essentially, what God is telling them in, in building this altar is, I'm making you your twelve tribes. I'm making you into one yeah. one people but I'm also making you one with me, you mm-hmm. know, that you are dwelling with me, you're dwelling with each other. These stones are now one altar. I've called you out of the muck. I've called you out of the mire of of just where you've been in Egypt, mm-hmm. where you've been in the wilderness, um, and I've transplanted you into this land mm-hmm. for a purpose. And that's where we kind of get into that third thing. But it's, yeah, th- these rocks, I think, are a perfect metaphor for what God has done 
for, for the 12 tribes for Israel and making them one and, and, and causing them to be a new nation that's going yeah. to eventually serve his purposes. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and I might be jumping into the next point a little bit, but I, um, I feel like we don't do this enough. Like we, w- as far as having memorials, I remember like at a summer camp when I was like in sixth grade or something like yep. that, going through this time and, and there's uh, this, you know, the, the counselor says, everyone take a stick. And, you know, this stick re- represents you before you came to camp and you're throwing the stick into the fire. And it's, it's a picture, you know, yeah. it's a symbol, but it's, it's like a memorial kind of, although you can't go back and look at anything in hindsight. But, yeah. but I, I remember that, like I, it sticks up here because of the power of, of those symbols. Yeah. And I think about like, okay, this is a nice story, but, but put yourself in the case of the, those Israelites where God is saying, pick up that mucky, slimy stone out of the middle of a river that, you know, is in flood stage and you're walking through it and you carry that stone and as you set that thing up and, and build this mountain or, you know, this altar out of it, yeah. you know, you're hearing, you know, it's like God saying like, this is you, you know, this is you, this is what I'm doing with you. And, and just the power of hearing that voice of God saying like, you're mine, I'm establishing you, I'm going to fight for you, I'm protecting you, I'm claiming you, I love you, you know, and um, those moments, like, those are powerful moments, and just yeah. that experience is is, is cool. I actually, um, this last week, we watched the show Lost in Space, the, the remake version of it with, with our kids, and I, one episode, they did this, um, and I was like, whoa, you know, what's a modern day example? We, you know, Rewind yeah. should have played the clip on Sunday, but, you know, in this case, it's um, the dad wants the son to take ownership and responsibility because he has this robot, you know, that supposedly uh-huh. these robots are responsible for the death of, of like 20 something of their people. So they go yeah. and they take these big, heavy stones and each one represents one of the people who died and they're setting them up and there's this powerful music as the sun sort of takes ownership. And so in this case, it's an altar that represents like remembering a death. Yeah. But, but in this case... We're talking about it's like new life, yeah. like new life where we're, we're building an altar that is a memorial to the new life that God is creating in yeah. the people. And yeah, so, exactly. yeah. So that's the second thing was who God had called them to be, um, a living, united altar, temples, you know, um, mountain identity, like yeah. established as a nation, this is you. And you it's know? supposed to be the foundational event yeah. of everything they do moving forward, that they come back and revisit these rocks, they tell their kids about them, that this is the foundation that's being laid for what God wants to actually do with them and use sure. them for. Yeah. yeah. And then the last one is like the reason God called them. Yeah. Your... And and so you look back at the very and this is what one of the things that really kind of caught my eye as I was reading this, is this idea that... In verse 24, he says, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And, and so this is not just something that's being done for for them, mm-hmm. that this is something that's being done for all the peoples of the world, that this is, in essence, a recreation yeah. event, that God is about recreating things and renewing things so that life can exist. Hmm. And, and so I think a lot of times we read the book of Joshua and the first thing, or we look at the book of Joshua, think about it, and the first thing that comes to mind is like death. We think of all the places where 
It's like, how could God ascribe death to these people? And I think there's a lot more mm-hmm. that's really taking place here that we're not real, we're not really understanding as far as, you know, we don't have time to dig into all that in this one. I think you're gonna probably go into that a little bit later with mm-hmm. some of the things that are going on with this. But but ultimately, this is a book about life. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the truth is that God is going to remove any obstacle that is going to oppose life. Mm-hmm. And we see that with these people that are living in the land, that, that they are, in fact, the very next verse says that they knew the fear of the Lord, it, their, that fear wasn't their problem. Yeah. Um, they they heard about what God was doing for Israel, and it says their hearts melted. They're like trembling in their boots. Yeah. yeah. And yet, yeah. where does their fear take them? Yeah. And it doesn't take them to follow God, it takes them to fight him. And mm. it's, it's like they dig their heels in, they look up at the creator of the universe, and they shake their fist, and they go to battle with him. And, and that really kind of reveals, I think, where their heart is, that these are people that are absolutely dedicated to evil, mm. they're opposed to life, and in that situation, God is going to remove any obstacle that's going to get in the way of him bringing life back mm-hmm. to people. And so, yeah, this just like in Genesis where, where God took a lifeless abyss and he transformed yeah. it into a life-giving world, here we see a land that's really kind of a lifeless mm-hmm. abyss of evil, and he is now changing it, transforming it through Israel to make it a life-giving place for the rest of the world. That's the goal here. Right. Know? So all the people yeah. may be blessed. So even here, it's not just about Israel, it's about... Israel for the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, is a good segue to talk about then, like, how do these, how does this apply to us today? What are the modern equivalents? Um, because I think God has still given us things to remember him, but to ultimately remember, like, what, what he's done for yeah. us through Jesus. And so, you know, uh, how does it translate to us today? Yeah. And I suppose we have those three things. Remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember who Jesus calls us to be and remember why he called us to follow him. And so you want to talk about that a little bit or yeah, the first yeah, part, can, what, yeah. what is Jesus? And, and I think there's kind of two things in play here. There's, um, there's a place in Corinthians. It talks about how all of these things that we see here are like shadows mm-hmm. that are trying to explain or develop or paint a picture of a greater reality mm-hmm. that's taking place. And and I think no more so than than here in Joshua 4, right? Where essentially there's there's a date, and it's it's so easy to maybe overlook it, but it says it's on the tenth day of the first month. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, that's nice. You know, it's a way of documenting when it happened. But the reality is that that date is really significant. Mm-hmm. That that's the date where the Passover lamb was to be selected. And, and so it, it not only ties this back into what God did for them at the first Passover in Egypt, but more importantly, I think it, it ties this into the final Passover lamb, hmm. which is Jesus. This is a way of connecting these things. And, and I think you alluded to it earlier. It's So this picture, it, it's it's a great picture, but it's it's... When you see kind of what's going on here, it's impossible to miss mm-hmm. what Jesus has done for us, mm-hmm. and the fact that He is like it's it's speaking of a, a grander baptism into life, uh, a greater deliverance, where where Jesus, our Passover Lamb, has entered into the river of death mm-hmm. first at the cross. He has um, stepped into the heart of it, 
and then made a way for us to go through it with him yeah. to the other side and to, uh, to where we were going to be experiencing and living in, in God's kingdom, which he's, mm. which he's coming to, to bring. Yeah. And to be established, yeah. yeah. So that's what he's done for us. Romans 6, 3 and 4, which talks about baptism, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to read it in light of a memorial, yeah. a, rem- a remembrance, exactly. kind of an experience that gives you something to uh, to connect, like those like those stones, you know, where you're yeah. taking those stones out of the out of the judgment, the river, the water, and establishing them on dry land. So, what does Paul say about? Yeah, uh, and so this is what Romans uh, chapter six, verses three and four say, especially like you said, read in light of this and in, in a picture of what baptism represents. Mm-hmm. It says. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Hmm. You know, that's going into the river of judgment. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so that's exactly what we see happening in Joshua 4. And like, like I said, Jesus is the greatest example that this is the ultimate reality that's now playing yeah. out. It's a spiritual reality that we experience as we as we are buried with Jesus in baptism, but then we're brought out of it mm-hmm. to experience a new identity, a new life. That that is, that is the defining moment for us that, that say yeah. we follow Christ. So yeah. just like what Israel experienced, anyone who turns to Jesus can experience what they went through coming yes, out of that river, exactly. being established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Who has Jesus called us to be then? As far as we, we and, and I think it's kind of the same, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of that identity of of who He called Israel to be. But there's a verse in Ephesians that you quoted that that speaks to that. Ephesians two. Do you want to read that? Or yeah, to go, yeah, I yeah. can read it. And so, yeah, it goes into this idea that as Israel, you know, eventually they formed the temple. They were that's the place where God dwelt with people and, and they were supposed to be in essence a, a river of mm-hmm. God's presence and God's goodness that flows out to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that that's Ephesians two kind of follows that train of thought. It says, Consequent consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And then this work gets really interesting. It says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then we kind of alluded to First Peter as well mm-hmm. that, that says a similar thing, but really even, even more so, I think it alludes to Joshua 4 and the stones. It says... As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So followers of Christ are also stones, just like Israel. Uh-huh. Like, this is you. You're this stone on this on this altar. Yeah. Uh, living stones. Right. Yeah. Right. Living stones. So, you know, if I can take a stab then at what that means, it's really profound because what that means is that the result of Christ's work in our lives should have an intended result, right? Like we are now that memorial. Like we are now that 
that mountain that reminds us of, of a testimony of what God has done, but also of, of, of who we are, right? Yeah. And, and what his intended purpose for us is in the world, like who, what God has done for us, who he called us to be. And, and why? Like, what, what's, you know, yeah. why has he called us? Yeah, I mean, this is what defines us as a people. Yeah. And I, and, and as I, I just think about kind of the state of, of our country and, and what we've seen over the last year or mm-hmm. year and a half or so, is there's a side of, of Christianity in America that I've seen come out as a result of some of the, um, maybe some of the turmoil, some of the difficulty and hardship that we've experienced. Mm-hmm that it's almost like we've forgotten who we are, that, that it's, there's been things that have been added to Christianity or to, to following yeah. Christ, that it's Christ yeah. plus you have to do this. You know, you have to mm-hmm. have this political belief, or you have to, you have to actually <laughs> believe this. And, and coming back to this idea that, no, that's not what defines us. What defines us is we are a holy Temple that we have been yeah. built, we are priests, and the priest had the, the the huge responsibility of bearing God's goodness and representing Him to the mm-hmm. rest of the world. Yeah, and I feel like even over the last year or so, as as Christ followers in general, uh, I, you know, it's I don't want to speak specifically to people, <laughs> but I've seen a lot of that come out where we haven't done a really good job of really representing, yeah, Jesus. It's like we're we as the church seem to be a lot more known for what we oppose as opposed to what yeah. we offer. Yeah. And and we need to come back and remember who we are. You've got like Jesus. The Christian right or the Christian left. And you've got like yeah, exactly. are we gonna have a vaccinated section or an unvaccinated you know, are yeah. we gonna you know, you've got the pro and the and the against and, and all of a sudden like these worldly things that divide people start seeping into the church and yes. dividing the church. Yeah. And and I think that's a really this brings us back to like what this altar was for Israel, our lives are meant to be for the world. Uh-huh. Right? Unified. Re- unified yeah. uh living stones, a temple, a, a memorial that points people to the reality of God and, yes, and what yeah, he's done and definitely. what he wants to do and who he is. And, yeah. and um, so that's convicting, you know, <laughs> a little bit. I, and I, I do think like in most communities, I, I see a lot of signs of encouragement and stuff, but I've definitely seen a struggle, especially over the last year with with some of that as well, like and, and not even just again the the whole, the whole old saying pointing one finger at you. There's three pointing back at me. It's sure it's a bit convicting yeah. for me as well. It's it's easy to to kind of stay up here and, and generalize, yeah. But but even in my own life, looking at the way I look at people and the way I see people, do I actually is the first thing that I see is a label that the world has given them, mm. or do I actually see a fellow brother or sister? Mm-hmm. In Christ, mm-hmm. and that's very telling on where my heart is and and how far I have to go. And mm-hmm. so this is yeah, this has been a message that's been incredibly mm-hmm. convicting for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, the last point on there is just kind of drawing it to a close. I guess is like, why has Jesus called us? And that I think we kind of said it, but it's it's to be that priesthood, that temple, that signpost to God, that outpost yeah. of his kingdom for the world, right? Yeah. For for everyone. And so his overall purpose hasn't changed from from the Israel and what he said all the way back in Joshua 5, I think that verse was. Yeah. But 
but it's just taken a different format. It's a new evolution of, of how he accomplishes that purpose through the church now because of Jesus. So how do we attain unity then? How, how do we, how, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's a question I, I've been thinking about quite a bit, even over the last year, you know, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why this passage spoke to me like it did is because I've been wondering, how do we do that? You know, when I see the division, when I see the things that are seeping into the church and to the body of Christ that, that seem to like want to tear that altar apart mm-hmm. and separate those stones to where you're each doing your own thing as opposed to being unified, and how do we get to that? And, and I don't have all the answers. I mean, I think that's a complicated question where there's there's got to be a listening and an empathy towards people and actually hearing each other and... But I, I think in order to be able to do all those things, I think it starts with, again, remembering. Mm-hmm. It, it has to start with remembering what God has done mm-hmm. for us, remembering who He has called us to be, because it's so easy to forget, mm-hmm. and then remembering why He has called us. And when mm-hmm. we can do those things, we will see each other, I think, for the common ground that we have, where we, we can differ on things. And that won't destroy hmm. the unity we have, that we can actually listen to each other, but know that we are unified because of, of these things that, that God has done for us through yeah. Jesus and who he has defined us to be. And that doesn't change based on the things that are going on in the world, yeah. you know, which I yeah. think happens so often. I think it's a good idea to think about, like as, as a church, you know, every Sunday we do communion and that's kind of like in one way, that's like our pillar of stones, you know, that's our, that's that's our memorial. We come back to that again and again as a signpost that reminds us who we are to be, but, but maybe there's like even more we can do. I mean, this is, this is kind of how ancient cultures lived, but, but, you know, literally take a stone, you know, paint something on it that like, every time I look at this, I'm going to remember like something significant that God did in my life so that I don't turn away, you Uh know? Um, we were going through old photographs and Don pointed out this one. It's like, do you still want to keep this picture? It's like, a, you can barely see you. It's silhouetted. <laughs> but as I looked at the picture, it was an old film picture, you know, before uh-huh. you could really touch it up and everything. It's, it's like, um, it evoked a memory, you know, it yeah. recalled like, and there was value in that symbol, even though it was a bad picture, but you know, <laughs> but it, it, it brought to mind like an experience that I had that I that was like, oh, that was a, a valuable thing, you yeah. know? Um, and maybe there's like a way that we can, I don't know what that is, but just to, to memorialize things more and, yeah. and set ourselves firmly on on that truth that they represent. Yeah, to remember so, not only who we are, but also to remember right. who we are together, you yeah. know, and, and remember when we see others that, that we are, mm-hmm. we've been called to be yeah, mm-hmm. unified. So I think we'll just wrap it up then. Uh, you know, we're looking at this passage that looks like an interruption, but it's an important interruption because remembering is important. And it's remember uh, what God has done, who he has called us to be, and why he has called us. And and those are the things. And so we had like a closing um, verse that just kind of points towards that unity, I think, and that was Galatians 3, 27 through 29. You want to close this out? Yeah, Paul says it better than I ever could. And this is how he... He, he speaks to this issue. He says, For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. What a, that's a powerful image. That's, that's something that should bring us unity. Hmm. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, 
nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so right there, Paul says it, that, that, that being unified in Christ, it demolishes all those walls that the world would try to build up to separate us, and we are one mm-hmm. in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's powerful. So on that note, you want to say a closing prayer? Yeah. All right. Father, I just, I thank you for this time. I thank you for even the unexpected interruptions that we sometimes experience that can lead us uh, closer to you and and make us delve out maybe of our comfort zones and try new things. And and so I thank you for this time. I thank you for Mike, for Tyler, for making this happen. And I uh, just pray that you, you would use this uh, in some way uh, to reach people, to touch people's lives that not based on what we've said, but based on the power of your word and, and again, who you've called us to be mm-hmm. and why you've called us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for a, a new format and, and trying out something different. Yeah, so, it's good. It's been good. Yeah. yeah. God bless. We want to thank you again for joining us today and let you know that we love you and Jesus loves you. And you always have a place here at ACC. If you made a decision for Christ today, or you just want to talk with someone, please don't hesitate to reach out. We have a really easy contact form you can fill out on our website, or you can call us at 360-293-3729. We would love to talk with you. Go in peace and have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon.